0: GEICO presents, oh, not again, another voicemail from your roommate. Hey, man, so I was in a rush to get to work and I left the back door open. Could you shut it? I left it wide open. Uh, While you're there, could you also turn off the oven and all of the burners? (laughs) My mom never let me use the oven. I wonder why. (laughs) The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if it's your roommate's first time operating an oven. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.
1: Contour from Cox has all your favorites, all in one place. And with the Contour Remote, you can use your voice to find them on live TV, on-demand, and streaming apps like Netflix, Prime Video, and more. See Cox.com for details.
0: From Cox. Cal- Art History Babe Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. I'm Jen. And we are the Art History Babes.
1: Today's little tiny baby guy is about Cindy Sherman, who is amazing. I feel like I could talk about her for a really long time, and I feel like her whole thing is very in line with the Art History Babes whole thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like we are... On the same level to some degree,
2: yeah, definitely sharing some wavelengths,
1: brain S- some brainwaves? interests, some brainwaves, brainwaves, brainwaves? wavelengths of I brainwaves. I'm mixing up. It- Interestingly, though, as you'll find out, I don't think she's super fond of art historians, so maybe not. <laughs> I don't think a lot of artists are. Yeah, yeah, which I get because sometimes I don't like being an art historian. When <laughs>
2: Listening to the Corita Kent episode, Zach was gushing about art historians, and I was like so touched because that was so nice of him, it and was. also like shocked because I'm that's not a common response. I feel like it's true.
0: I've noticed this. It's not even just about art and art historians. I think that a lot of just even musical artists hate feeling like they're being psychoanalyzed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the Beatles used to get really up in arms about Uh just like it just means what it says man it does no deeper meaning
1: dude and in a weird way i totally get it because like as an art historian who's constantly like looking at the stuff and thinking about it and as a super cerebral person sometimes i want to just look at something and not think about it you know or listen to something and not psychoanalyze it Mm -hmm, not look mm -hmm, deeper so mm -hmm. i totally get why an artist would maybe be like just let it be man <laughs> especially when it's like them that
2: is under scrutiny yeah. and you feel like someone's trying to dissect you and your ideas yeah, yeah. for sure i get it i get it it's cindy. cindy we understand you
0: <laughs> it's a complicated thing but, but we're gonna do it anyway so <laughs> <laughs> so here we go <laughs>
2: Cindy Sherman is an American artist and photographer that was born January 19th, 1954. She's one of those Capricorn Aquarius cusps that Whoa. I love yeah. so much.
1: Two days away from my birthday. They're my favorite people. Like January 17th to January 20th. Like so many of my favorite people have been born in those days. Yeah. <laughs>
2: She came to prominence in the contemporary art world in the late 1970s and is best known for her complex photography, challenging the status quo and exploring ideas of identity and contemporary culture. She is a member of the Pictures Generation, a loosely affiliated group of artists that use photography and mass media imagery from a conceptual standpoint. So these artists were basically considered appropriation artists and they would take images from contemporary culture and then fit those into their ideas of theory
1: and yeah. life and <laughs> Corey, help me out <laughs> yeah exactly they i mean it's basically combining pop culture imagery and conceptual art mm-hmm. so you have this layering of things that are considered very highbrow and things that are considered very lowbrow together yeah and how those kind of influence our
2: perception of the world yeah. and what's going on around us Sherman's work is heavily engaged with the American feminism of the time. Interestingly, she does not consider herself to be an overly political person, but she does admit that her work engages with political themes. Her work seeks to question the oppressive nature of film and mass media on both the individual and the collective, also calling attention to the mass consumerism of the late 20th century.
0: Cindy Sherman is often considered an appropriation artist.
2: Her work intentionally
0: appropriates images from both historical and contemporary culture and alters them to make statements concerning authority, identity, and gender. In using pop culture imagery that has been mass produced through a primary medium of photography, Sherman produces a layered commentary on the role of the copy or reproduction in the realm of fine art. In doing so, she challenges the concept of the artistic genius, an idea that is very much tied up in the idea of high culture versus low culture and maintaining the status quo. So that's a really sort of novel last half of the 20th century idea of wanting to blur that boundary between high and low culture. I think that we see it in a lot of contemporary art.
2: Yeah. And especially when photography becomes a little more easily accessible, that kind of begins to toe the line, which becomes really fun and interesting nowadays,
1: especially. Exactly. And that's, I mean, 100 percent what she's doing with Mm -hmm. photography being her main medium and images that can be reproduced. That is much different than a painting, you know, that hangs in the Louvre. And kind of questioning, like, why does reproducing an image make it less valuable Mm -hmm. or, you know, less high art? So kind of, yeah, challenging those established ideals of Mm -hmm. of
0: what makes art, art. Well, it's interesting, too, because for a long time after the introduction of photography just in the world, I believe that photographers have had to fight to defend their Mm -hmm. medium as art Mm -hmm. and so i really like the intentional sort of putting it in your face of like i know that this is easily reproducible i'm doing that
1: on purpose (laughs) that's the point i get it (laughs) yeah definitely Sherman first came to prominence with her series Untitled Film Stills, 1977-1980. This series of 69 black and white photographs was shot over the course of three years and depicts Sherman in various stereotypically feminine roles, ranging from librarian to seductress. The stills are reminiscent of film stills from the classic American film noir style of the 40s, 50s, and 60s, but are intentionally reworked in a way that makes you feel a little uncomfortable. The most widely discussed image from this series is Untitled Film Still number 21, which depicts Sherman as a youthful, small-town girl venturing out into the Big Apple to make something of herself. The image is beautifully shot and captures the language of storytelling that is used within film. However, what is most impressive and insightful about this image is how it truly captures this sense that the woman is kind of feeling watched or judged and that there is a persona she tries to adapt to combat that. Interestingly, Sherman has said that she felt the need to adapt a street persona upon moving to New York City in order to survive in that environment. What do you guys think about this? I
0: love this image. Mm-hmm. I think that she does a great job of capturing that whole small, small town girl living in a lonely <laughs> world.
2: <laughs> Especially
0: <laughs> a train going anywhere.
2: <laughs> Especially the camera angle taken from a slightly lower vantage mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. kind of helps enlarge the perspective of the buildings, making her you know seem like a little little flower yeah Yeah. these big tall buildings it's claustrophobic the buildings are sort of like
0: haphazard angles behind her and they're also kind of blurry and i feel like you can see the expression on her face makes me feel like she's being sort of oppressed yeah definitely like
1: i 100 percent feel like There's a distinct sense of fragility like she she appears kind of fragile, but exactly the look on her face is almost like her combating that or figuring out how to deal with that. Like this idea that, you know, like she is kind of yeah being oppressed by her surroundings, but now she's going to figure out how to navigate that genius genius. Much of
2: Cindy Sherman's work is characterized by images of herself dressed as various characters. In other words, Sherman is her own model and the central focus of much of her work. She's tried to do work with models but says that it never works out and she ends up having to do it over herself anyway because she doesn't know what she wants or how to articulate what she wants until she sees it. Throughout her career, she has posed as everything from a circa 1950s Hollywood starlet to a clergyman to a horror movie monster. These images are pretty much always engaging with stereotypical characters found in contemporary film. Identity, both individual and
0: collective, is a central theme of Sherman's work. Scanning through works by Sherman can feel similar to scanning through the entire ego of a person. By portraying herself as these various characters, it is possible that Sherman is suggesting that identity is simply a continuous shifting through stereotypes. However, much speculation has been made surrounding Sherman's work and her intent. Some read her work as an exploration and expression of Sherman's personal identity, and others believe that Sherman is just examining the concept of identity within contemporary society in a larger sense. In fact, the question, who is Sidney Sherman, has come to surround her work. This has added a certain mystique to the artist and the images that she creates.
1: There is an undeniably performative element of much of her work. Sherman recalls loving dressing up as a child, but not in the typical princess ballerina sense. She actually, in this documentary, I, I watched um, her exact words where she enjoyed the more perverse side of dressing up. Like she liked making herself look weird or scary. Mm-hmm. Like uh- the
2: people who get really into horror film makeup and things like that the
1: grotesque exactly and she's a huge horror film yeah like aficionado a huge horror film lover during her college years she was somewhat engaged with theater and the theatrical arts which seemed to spill over into her life and eventually her work sherman would often dress up as characters to go to parties in college she recalls once getting in character to attend an opening and feeling like something was missing so she placed a pillow under her dress and went as a pregnant woman fun (laughs) from a feminist standpoint much of sherman's work seems to be commenting on the idea that being a woman is a performance that by being subjected to the male gaze which if you are unfamiliar the male gaze is the idea that women are consistently depicted and seen as objects for male pleasure this is a form of what is known as scopophilia which is a term i learned in my film studies class it's a good word i know right (laughs) if you want to know more about this read laura mulvey or john berger's way of seeing i feel like breaks it down very very clearly in a way that's understandable but her work is is very much engaging with the male gaze and this idea that the woman is always being viewed and defined according to various stereotypes due to this pressure, women have been socialized to perform at all times. Sherman is exploring these various performances that women put on. Modern fertility.
2: Dang, I really wish I could sing because I wanted to follow that tune, but I cannot sing.
1: I can't sing either, but I just I like making little jingles. How about it, Nat? I mean, you've probably thought about your next step in your
2: career relationship, but what about planning for a baby or a
1: metaphorical baby? Or, or planning for not a baby. All of those totally reasonable <laughs> options. Exactly. As
2: a woman, we kind of have to make a decision to either have or not yeah. have babies, and Modern Fertility is here to help with that decision-making.
1: Modern Fertility is a quick and easy hormone test you can take at home. So if you're thinking about trying for a baby or you want to know maybe what your options are for the future or... Or if you just want to know more information about kind of how all that works and your hormone levels and just, you know, generally be informed about your reproductive health, which is a great thing to be informed of, Modern Fertility is here to help. So I was
2: able to take it and got my results back within like eight days pretty quick It took me to the website where they had all my information, and I'm happy to say that nothing came back alarming. It was really easy to understand, and they use very simple language, but they also have options where you can read into the different hormones more closely. So if you do have something that maybe is slightly out of whack, you can read more about it and figure out, you know, how to raise or lower or what that might mean for your day-to-day life it's really interesting or your fertility i guess i was kind of just looking at it for my day-to-day but um speaking from experience like yeah i definitely feel a little more empowered just knowing that all of my hormones are working and doing what they're supposed to do
1: yeah that is definitely good news also It is very affordable compared to similar testing. Um, Oftentimes that kind of testing can cost over $1,000. But with Modern Fertility, you can get the exact same information for just $159.
2: That's such a good price. Yeah. Plus, you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse once you get your results. So you can get answers to questions that you might have, specific questions that are related to your
1: results, and that is really valuable. Yeah. So it's just great information to have, very affordable price, very easy to do, comfort of your own home. Don't even have to go to the doctor's office.
2: And right now, Modern Fertility is offering Art History Babes listeners $20 off their test when you go
1: to ModernFertility.com slash History Babes. That's $20 off your fertility test when you go to ModernFertility.com slash History Babes. ModernFertility.com slash History Babes.
2: Modern Fertility. Boop, boop, boop. Sherman completed a series titled History Portraits between 1988 and 1990 when she was living in Rome. Untitled number 228 from the History Portrait series is a seven-foot-tall photograph by Cindy Sherman depicting an image of the biblical Judith beheading Holofernes. The image resembles a painting in an old master Renaissance style. However, upon closer inspection, certain details appear off. Both the facial expression of Judith as well as the decapitated head of Holofernes look somewhat cartoonish as though they were props in a movie.
0: Since Sherman was living in Rome at the time, one would assume that her inspiration for this series was visiting the endless works of Renaissance art housed in museums all around her. However, Sherman wasn't about that. While creating this series, Sherman chose only to look at the images she found in books. She remains bound by print culture as the reproduction of images is a theme central to her work.
1: In the tale of Judith beheading Holofernes, a story that is loved by many feminist art historians, <laughs> including us, you just gotta <laughs> love it. Classic. It's a classic. I forget that it's not like favorite. a classic
2: story that people know <laughs>
1: It's a good one. I like it. (laughs) Judith saves the Israelites from Holofernes, an Assyrian general, by using her feminine wiles Mm. to take advantage of him whilst he is inebriated. Ultimately, the Israelites are saved. Since this image is created in Sherman's signature style, it emanates a kind of ambiguity, instilling somewhat of an unease in the viewer. This has been read by critics as a commentary on the fact that Judith must use her sexuality to defeat Holofernes, making her both a hero and a sexual object, which is a complicated thing. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know that we talk about that enough. But yeah, I mean, I love it. I love it, but I also see why it's a complicated can, thing. Can
2: we talk about just the aesthetics of this photograph? Yeah, too? let's do it. <laughs> yeah, her feet are the huge. Feet, right? Those, those are those are some actual- Caravaggio feet. Like those are enormous. Male feet that are dirty.
1: (laughs) Well,
0: yeah. You know, I noticed the feet right away, and I know that that was such a conscious choice on her part because these Renaissance paintings are always so weird with the feet. Mm -hmm. The feet are always just totally funky. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Well, yeah. Just the big, dirty feet like Mm -hmm. Caravaggio. She's just leaning in, and then it's like a tiny little hand. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it, too. She also... Maybe it's the eyebrow. Something reminds me of like those gypsy machines that you'd see at like a carnival. That oh, like yeah. the fortune teller machines.
1: Yeah, I'm
2: getting strong fortune teller vibes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, and
1: then just Holofernes' decapitated head. It. I mean, it looks like a Halloween mask. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it's from a horror film. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. It's pretty good. I think that this is a really fun. I mean, it's not meant to be fun, <laughs> but it's a
2: fun take what, on what a the- what a good time. It's, it's just sh- fun. She's so good at making <laughs> two like seemingly m- mismatched like styles just look almost natural together. Yeah, like there's something so unnatural about this, but it, it doesn't hit you right away. <laughs> At first yeah, glance, not at all. It, it seems to work. <laughs> exactly.
1: If you saw this in a museum, I don't think I would notice right away that Mm-mm. it was contemporary or, you know, it would take me a minute yeah. to, to recognize that.
0: Yeah. And I think that there was a lot of conscious choices on her part to sort of blur this line between photography and the old master painting, yep. especially her garment seems so over the top with the folds. That it reminds me of those old master paintings where it's just like more folds. <laughs> yeah. We need I more can folds. I can't paint folds. I can't paint <laughs> folds. Yeah. Look at all my folds. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Sherman's work has been subject to endless speculation. Sherman herself does not particularly enjoy analyzing her work too deeply, as we mentioned, and doesn't give much attention to those who do so. She has stated that she wants audiences to be able to engage with her work without reading about it. However, she does not deny the political and social implications of her work and has come to be considered a contemporary master of socially critical photography. What a title.
1: That is a title. It's pretty good. Yeah. I read that in my research. And I was like, wow. <laughs> it's like, a lot of powerful words right yeah, there. <laughs> I wouldn't
0: be mad about that.
1: Yeah. Put that on your business card. I know. <laughs> contemporary master of socially critical photography. Hey. Uh, Cindy nice Sherman at uh, gmail.com. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, there's this really great documentary on her that's on YouTube, and I really enjoyed it. It's called Nobody's Here But Me, and it was filmed in 1994. And as I mentioned, she is a huge like horror movie buff. That was a huge focus of the documentary, so it really goes deep into that aspect of her work. So if that's interesting to you, horror films, horror imagery, you should definitely watch that. It also is just an interesting film to watch because it was filmed in 94, which was so long ago. So, like, there, I don't know, there was just, like, some interesting cultural layers, like, how things have changed since the documentary mm-hmm. was made. Also, just a fun thing, in the documentary, she has a parrot named Frida, and she, like, br- like is hanging out with Frida and, like, giving her a little bird kisses, Aww. and it's nice. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. I really like her. She seems like a cool and interesting person Yeah, that I would like to have a drink with.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this B.B. on a art history babe, Cindy Sherman. Or an art babe, because... Yeah, (laughs) you know, she's history.
1: (laughs) She made it into the history books. She's in there. She's in there. Whether (laughs) she likes it or not. There you go. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.
0: From California.
2: Oh my god that word oh, good. seductress seductress <laughs> so i have heard that and i love it
1: <laughs> the art history babes podcast is made possible by support from our lovely listeners via patreon head over to patreon.com slash art history babes to help keep the art history babes going and for access to bonus content
0: geico presents oh uh, not again another voicemail from your roommate
1: Hey, man, so I was in a rush to get
0: to work and I left the back door open. Could you shut it? I left it wide open. Uh, while you are there, could you also turn off the oven? And all of the burners. <laughs> My mom never let me use the oven. I wonder why. <laughs> the GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if it's your roommate's first time operating an oven. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.